welcome to Vibrant Visionaries. I'm Jarf. I'm not the voice you expected, but that's because this is a very special occasion. And for the fourth anniversary of Vibrant Visionaries, I am bringing on, as your guest, the one and only Heidi Bennett. Welcome, Heidi. Hey, it's so great to be here on Vibrant Visionaries. It's great to have you on your own podcast. So peek behind the curtain, Heidi asked me to join her today and have a conversation about what Vibrant Visionaries is all about. So I just wanted to take this opportunity, mark this occasion of four awesome years, and even zoom out because before there was Vibrant Visionaries, you did some incredible projects for the Movies by Minute community, Spinal Tap Minute, Cabin Minute Cast. So I'm interested in how you got started in podcasting in the first place, what are some of the things that inform your decision-making? So I thought we could go back to the beginning and ask you, why did you start podcasting and how has your reason changed over time for doing it? That's such a good question. And I went from managing coffee houses where I'm really embedded in like hospitality and welcoming people into a space that's intimate run by a you know independent business owner usually run by women and I loved doing that for so many years I have a real passion for food and hospitality and really bringing people in and hiring people who are warm and welcoming and then you know teaching them about the products and the projects <laughs> and <laughs> I did that for quite a while I mean that's a large part of my along with being a singer and that has a element of hospitality. I was getting burned out on on managing coffee houses, getting burned out on pursuing singing as a career. And I was having a lot of comfort and self-realization through being coached by a coach. And so I had this light bulb moment that I wanted to be a coach, that what mm. coaches were giving me was what I needed. It was different than therapy. It was different than friendship. It was something that was like helping me better understand and love myself, which is a common theme on Vibrant Visionaries, helping me like heal inner trauma and then move forward with goals. And I thought, oh, if I could do that for other people, that would be such a gift. So I got into coaching. I went to school for coaching. Did you have a question? The coach that you worked with, were they specifically a creative coach, like what you do now, or did you distill some things from what they offered into what became your coaching? So that's a great question. The process of coaching, and if you're a well-trained coach and a very good coach, it can be for anybody. I could be a coach for dental assistants, even if I'd never been a dental assistant, because it's it's more of a process. Mm. But the, the first coach I worked with before I even moved to the Bay Area, before I met my husband, Brian, I worked with somebody who wasn't specifically for creatives, but my stepmom, Flo, she's very creative and she had worked with her and had a lot of luck. She actually referred her to me when I was still living in Sacramento and just feeling like all of the things I knew how to do to make life happy weren't working anymore. I was in a band, but I was 
in turmoil in that. I wasn't in any relationship to speak of that was working. And I was just feeling very unhappy. So that person worked with creatives, but wasn't specifically for creatives. And then when I stopped working with that band and met my husband, Brian, there, there's a little intersection there, but <laughs> that could be a whole nother story. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a good one, but we don't have to go there. You know, I always like the juicy parts. <laughs> yeah. I met Brian. Uh, he was living in the Bay Area. I moved to the Bay Area. I continued to work with that coach, continued to be in that band. And then eventually, over the course of six months to a year or two, I forget, all time is so nebulous right now and stretchy. Brian and I just fell deeply in love. And, uh, we got married and I wasn't in that band anymore. And I was managing a coffee house in the Bay Area. So there's a lot of things that were really feeding me for quite a few years there and really feeling like they're working. And I met a new coach when I was starting to realize that I didn't want to manage coffee houses, didn't want to run bands, didn't know what I wanted to do next, decided to become a coach. <laughs> And that was super isolating. So I started answering this question talking about, you know, being entrenched in this coffee house where there's lots of sounds and people that you're talking with and things you're coordinating with. And so in a way, there was a relief um, and a tranquility to not being in that mix. I started to feel isolated and alone. I was learning all these new techniques, learning a lot about myself and, and letting go of a lot of shame and all these wonderful things that happen when you, you know, you go through a, a program like this. But then I was also starting to get like social anxiety and kind of rebirthing as this person with all these new tools and not being at the coffee house anymore. And um, I will say, and this is very important, I had several very close people, including my best friend, pass away, mm. my brother's first wife, who I was very close with and obviously a part of our family, she passed away. So I was having people that really understood me, really knew me, that I felt super vulnerable around and creative with, gone. Mm -hmm. And I still miss those collaborations and those relationships. So as a coach, I was having a hard time like finding new clients and feeling happy and excited to like market my business because I was feeling lonely and isolated. And Brian, my husband just said like, Hey, check this out. This is a new thing that's called podcasting. <laughs> and so he was telling me about how did this get made and Doug Loves Movies and I think Nerdist at the time. And all of a sudden I was surrounded by these creative conversations and, you know, musicians, artists, comedians. I've always gone to see live comedy. I met Patton Oswalt and Mark Marin way back mm. a long time ago. And like, I was always going to those shows, you know, so in SAC, I'd go see comedians and then be around musicians and be in bands. So like at first it was listening to the podcasts that started making me feel more myself again and sort of, yes, these people that I'm listening to aren't literally my friends, but they were filling that space, that kind of empty space. Yeah. I'm thinking of that meme, what it's like listening to podcasts. Exactly. <laughs> the guy eating like yogurt next to the <laughs> right. billboard of two or three people eating yogurt or whatever. I'll, I'll definitely share that. It's exactly, it was exactly like that. <laughs> but it just made me feel like, oh yeah, this is Heidi, you know, somebody who's into music and, you know, comedy. And it just, 
helped me also understand that I had ended up hanging out with people that weren't nothing against them, no, no, no bad people, but just like people I wasn't relating to as much. So I was like going to barbecues and parties and things, but I was like, something's not connecting here. And so I also, you know, not only had lost people in death, but had stepped away from some of these hangouts and barbecues and I wasn't feeling at home with, with some of the folks. And then, yeah, so I started listening to Star Wars Minute. And I'm one of those people where, like, when people started doing, you know, the retro swing thing, I was like, I like dancing. I'll go learn swing, you know? And I was in, like, a <laughs> swing band. And I, I love learning new things, not everything. You know, I'm not, like, a trend chaser. But when new things come up in the zeitgeist, I'll... A lot of times I'll be like, that sounds interesting. I'm going to, you know, give that a whirl. So listening to that podcast, I remember Eric Bogosian and like that talk radio movie that I think I only ever saw once, but there's just this like image of the person behind the mic like you and I are right now, you know, just telling truths and you know, sharing <laughs> their wisdom or whatever. Well, I'm behind the mic anyway. I don't know about the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I loved Wolfman Jack as a kid. Like mm. that idea, I guess the romantic idea of being behind the mic and even like spinning records or whatever sounded really fun and starting something new with kind of an interesting creative brief of doing, you know, each episode is covering one minute. I thought, well, I love this is... Spinal Tap. It's one of my favorite movies. I feel like I could talk about it endlessly. And it also touches on improv, obviously comedy. You know, it's a linchpin comedy film for so many people. So yeah, I just decided, let me do that along with coaching. And it became my creative personal project. So there's the answer to that question. Were there more parts of that question that I didn't quite answer yet? There were. So that was fascinating hearing how you got into coaching and how that led to podcasting and how it was a way of connecting with community. The other part of the question was, how has your reason for podcasting changed over time? I think the reason has changed a couple of times. And if I'm always staying true to this being a creative project, then there's seems to be this tension that I'm quite frankly very tired of, which is the tension between let me just experiment and see what this is. And you really need to market this podcast and find your niche as a multi-creative or who I call a vibrant visionary now, as somebody who always loves learning new things and doing things that are creatively challenging. I'm never going to do the exact same thing more than a couple of years. Even in coffeehouse management, I was also doing the marketing, the PR. I was forming bands and performing, you know, at the coffee houses. And in podcasting, some of the things that I don't think are all that fun, even though I like sharing and I think it's fun to like design logos and do markety kind of stuff. There was all this pressure to like find this very narrow niche. Like if you looked at my inbox right now, 
And as a fellow podcaster, yours might look very similar. There's all these people emailing me saying, partner with us and we'll take your podcast to, you know, we'll find <laughs> your new advertising partners or, you know, here's a new guest to have on or here's this and here's that. And, oh, here's the new product you should be recording on or, oh, my God, you know, I want to shame you for using a Yeti microphone. You should really be using this Rode microphone, but it's 500 times more expensive and you know, oh, you're only legitimate if you're this and you're only legitimate if you're that. So that side of it, I don't give a fuck about and I'm so tired of it. But what's so what's different is each every few months always running in the background in my mind is it's a lot of things like what's fun for me, what's new and different that I can try as far as editing or like bringing in a little bit of, you know, music clips or doing that, this or that, or like who would be interesting that I'm, you know, somebody I met in person or at a festival or online. It could be an interesting guest. I love booking my own podcast. I have had a few people be pitched to me and rarely do those work, but sometimes they work great. And I'm like, yes, I'm going to bring that person on. I think they're perfect. So it's always evolving and changing with my interests. What I'm just kind of tired of is trying to think of it as this strategic thing that I have to get X amount of listeners to be legitimate or whatever. And being in the Movies by Minutes community, which I'm less involved in since I don't do a Movies by Minutes podcast, the Lady Pod Squad community, the Pod People Circle, those are where I meet new people and get fresh inspiration. Also filter out the people that are like, very obviously at first they seem like a friendly bud and then they're like trying to <laughs> cram some sort of product down your throat <laughs> which is on linkedin too so it's always changing what i'm really embracing more now is getting back to like even back when i was envisioning what my coaching would be it had a lot to do with bringing people in, bringing people together, making things fun in person and doing things that are more around fun, hospitality, leisure, making life a little vacation every day. So as I took compassion cultivation training and as I learned more about what I love, which I'm always learning every time I have a conversation with somebody on the podcast and in person, and especially during the lockdown, it was so much more about over, you know, us talking <laughs> more like I've talked with you, Jarf, uh, a few times during the last couple of years. And that's more than some people that, you know, I was hanging out with them a couple of years ago and they're whatever, doing their own thing with whatever is going on in their life. So I've met so many new and different people and I'm including like within the lady pod squad um my friends who were watching a bunch of food related content and started pod appetit that podcast it reminded me and kind of spotlighted how much i love entertaining food when brian and i got married we went on this honeymoon road trip where we went to like vintage hotels but also kind of like quirky um boutique hotels and and i've always loved like sunset magazine and um, things that sort of bring that road trip as a form of pleasure and travel. And I'm really reconnecting to that. And since I've laid off of this hardcore marketing of coaching, which felt a bit at odds sometimes with just going like, I just wish I could convey more magically 
how impactful coaching can be for people. Once I let go of that and started really just talking about even more things I love, it's always going to be a lot of different things. Now that I have uh, Disney Plus, I'm watching all the behind the scenes, you know, listening to all the commentaries. And like, I love storytelling, but I also love like ping pong and picnics and potlucks. And so now it's like the three P's. (laughs) Exactly. People will see and hear more, you know, chefs or people doing unconventional, interesting things in creativity and hospitality on the podcast in the future, and also the YouTube channel, which is a whole nother thing. It's fun to do, and I love it. I'm sharing recipes. I don't want to share recipes forever, but I like doing that right now. So that's what I'm doing right now. Nice. Well, what I like about what I'm hearing of your approach is that you're continuing to look inward and ask yourself, what do I like about podcasting now? What do I want to try? What do I want to embrace? What do I want to abandon? And turning down the volume on chuckleheads on LinkedIn who are just trying to sell you the next shiny bobble to take your podcast to the next level, but still remaining open to new ideas from fellow creatives and as you call them, vibrant visionaries. So I thought, why don't we talk some more about them? Tell us about some folks you'd call vibrant visionaries and what it is you admire about them. So a great example of a vibrant visionary to me is Nick Offerman. Mm -hmm. I just love his whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) So he's an actor. He is a singer. He's a humorist. He has this great relationship with his wife. He's very playful. He's a podcaster. He's a woodworker on Parks and Recreation. Because of the nature of how they put that show together, they brought in a lot of his real life interests into his character on there. That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. And so even like when he's uh, making the canoes, even the wood shop in some of the scenes on that show are his, the Offerman woodshop, like his literal woodshop personally. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, and he's also passionate about food, although he's politically different than his character, than Ron Swanson, he's still very passionate about a lot of things that are Ron Swanson-y. I just love everything about who he is and how he presents himself. And to me, what I realized that one thing that's different from my starting the podcast called Vibrant Visionaries, but using the words multi-creative a lot, is that it's interesting to talk with people who have multiple passions and are multiply creative. But what I ended up writing about what a vibrant visionary is, is that they're not just interested in several different creative things and happy to do many creative things, but there's something about them that's giving the world a beautiful new view of compassion and camaraderie. And they kind of help model, I all say as um, things have elevated and evolved with our top, top, Star Wars, Star Trek, and Marvel universes, you know, as we look at those now, Mm -hmm. so much more diversity and inclusion and creativity 
and more complicated stories about good and evil and everything. I, you know, I'm really simplifying it, but anybody that looks at all of those properties now versus 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago, you'll see that evolution. And so I'm looking for people who are helping us with those stories, like learn more about how to be great citizens. He has a great newsletter um, that's called Donkey Thoughts. <laughs> and he's just, he has like an absurdity and a joy and a sexiness and he's just fun. Likewise with Eartha Kitt, she's one of those people who I love and admire and she was a yogi and she uh, loved nature and she was a singer and a dancer and an actor. She was playful, sexy, fun. She was also very involved in activism. She had a very unique, alluring voice and interesting way of presenting herself and is very bold and funny, fun, sexy and made the world a better place to be, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then the third person that I wanted to mention is I just saw her new special on Amazon Prime is Eddie Izzard. Eddie Izzard is such a wonderful comedian, but I've watched, I think, all of her specials by now. And she's always evolving her voice. She's always strengthening her, you know, comedic voice. But she's also like, run all these marathons and she's she's a little bit older than me i think she's about five years older than me run marathons she does this deep sea swimming like she is incredible so wow also like a sexy fun funny powerful person that says like the world can be bigger than this feel free to read more learn more and dive deep some of the stuff that she's talking about like I don't know ever. I can't follow every thread, right? She, if anybody's familiar with her, you know, she's an actor too, but if anybody's familiar with her stand up, it's very quick, right? I don't follow every single thing, but I get it. And I got to see her in person once. Oh, where? Um, in San Francisco in a smaller black box type theater running through, like it wasn't an official tour. Mm. It was more of a, I'm working on this stuff kind of a tour. Cool. And it was like 10 bucks. And it wasn't even that long ago. Like when Brian and I met online through Friendster <laughs> <laughs> on his Friendster profile, he mentioned that he loved Eddie Izzard. I got him tickets to the show in, in the city as a, I think it was a birthday gift. So cool. So that is a nice trio. Nick Offerman, Eartha Kitt, Eddie Izzard. Sweet. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So last question. How do your values drive your decision making? My values touch every decision I make. I have more values than this, but these, I would say my core values are compassion, camaraderie, safety, joy, playfulness, clear communication. I think I've hit all of them. Playfulness and joy are kind of similar, but it's like, to me, they're always driving who I'm having on as a guest, for example. Are they going to be somebody I feel a sense of camaraderie with? When I cover film festivals, for example, virtual or in person, I'm not just taking in any person that's available. I, I'm looking at or reading their profile, or looking at their body of work, looking at their photos, you know, whatever information is available, obviously seeing their film if I can beforehand, 
And some people I see the film beforehand, sometimes I'm not seeing it till afterwards, but I'm looking for a lightness, a joyfulness, an openness, a vulnerability, a sense of humor and a welcomingness. Also safety, if there's something that's just feeling, you know, whether it's driving the speed limit, like I'm such an avid speed limit driver, <laughs> that it would be very annoying to some people. That safety means I'm usually on time to things, but if I'm not on time to something, it's because safety is always more important than being somewhere on time. Oh yeah, I agree 100%. I, I always say that my number one job is to keep this alive <laughs> right yeah for sure <laughs> it drives you know how i'm gonna take a trip or what events i go to a lot of times or the people i want to spend time with or the projects that i take on what i say no to what i say yes to tranquility is another one because i've learned especially through doing podcasting that I have this misophonia. So sometimes a misophonia really acts up. Like I went to a restaurant the other day, you know, kind of trying to reintegrate into the world and do things and go to breakfast with Brian and somebody was mixing their coffee with a spoon and the tinkling sound of that spoon is like nails on a chalkboard. It's so hurts my heart. You know, it's like internally painful, but I knew it would only last a few seconds and it did like the person mixed in whatever they were mixing in and that was done. So, so that drives that safety or that comfort. In case listeners are not familiar, misophonia is. So misophonia is a still being studied, but it's a, a neuro difference. People have written the description of it in ways that aren't quite right, where it'll say like, you hate sound. Mm. That, that That's not quite right. You may react uh, if you have misophonia in different ways, but there's a like a visceral, emotional pain and discomfort to certain sounds. So the nails on the chalkboard are kind of a good example in that most people understand how that could be like, oh, mm -hmm. so irritating. Yeah, it's more than just it bugs you. It's like there's there's something internal that twists and it just feels wrong. Exactly. And you could feel like an anger or a real emotional upset. It could be somebody chewing kind of loudly, or for me, even like if somebody turns on their phone and they're halfway across the restaurant, but the speaker is pointed my way and other people will be like, I can't hear that. I can't hear that. I'm like, I can hear it. And it sounds really tinny and it's really <laughs> right. painful to my ear. So but I'm sorry, I, I lost the thread of how that connects to your decision making. So that connects to my decision making, because if I feel unsafe with that, in that it's causing me emotional distress, then I will have the fortitude and the self-compassion enough to say, you know what, I'm going to take that food to go. Mm, okay. And then I'll feel safe because I, I'll go find like a a picnic table outside and listen to birds tweeting and then enjoy in tranquility and safety in much self-compassion, the food, which I really want to like savor. Gotcha. The reason I was lost is because I thought you were answering specific to podcasting, but you are answering just decision-making so everything in life. Decision-making across the board. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. In podcasting, definitely with guests or definitely with the way I edit 
I listen to episodes and interviews and everything, and, and I'll edit so that it sounds soothing to everyone's ears. So there's an element of like safety and camaraderie in that I won't manipulate the episode so that the personality of the guest right. is changed, <laughs> but I will kind of sculpt things and bring in and talk to you, the listener, rather than, yes, sometimes I say, hey, and the listeners may enjoy this, but I try to speak more often directly to the listener, to you. Mm. Do you hear that, listeners? Isn't that nice? Yeah, because we're, I mean, in most cases, people aren't listening in a crowd, right? You are listening on your headphones or in your car or wherever. Yeah, it's intimate. It's intimate. So yeah, in decision making with the podcast and then in life, seeking out guests and experiences and creating experiences that will help people feel that sense of camaraderie and safety and fun. And so that also means saying no to experiences that don't align with those values. Nice. Well, maybe we can button it up by returning to your three vibrant visionaries and some favorite moments that you can think of involving them. When you were talking about Eartha Kit, I really learned, and this is a funny source, more about Eartha Kitt's biography from the episode of Drunk History, where Tessa Thompson played Eartha Kitt. Have you seen that? You know what? I'm sure I have because I, I'm pretty sure I've watched and, and talk about vibrant visionaries. I mean, I love Drunk History, so I'm sure I've seen it. I love Tessa Thompson, but I can't re recall exactly. Maybe can you remind me what it was about that that you recall? Absolutely. So, so they start out with her playing Catwoman, but then they zoom out to her as an activist and they create sort of an arch villain to her activism of someone who is trying to keep her out of society. And I mean, it's fun to see Tessa Thompson playing Eartha Kitt, Catwoman, just for starters. And then she really takes on the voice and it's <laughs> and they do a little <laughs> Batman 60s TV show fight scene. It's really, really good. So the year is 1967 and Eartha Kitt has been cast as Catwoman on Batman. And it's like the first time that a black lady has been allowed to be a villain, but also like sexy. She'd be like, yes, I'm doing things that I think are good. And the Batman's like, no, bitch. Pow, poom, pee. And Catwoman would be like, no, stop. Leave me alone. Zing, zang. Zing, zang. Police brutality. <laughs> I love that. Love that show. And that's a great story. I can't remember how I was introduced to Eartha Kit or what was like a pivotal thing, except for that I know that when I was in this big band... And we were choosing songs. So we wrote our own songs. But we were also choosing songs to cover. And one of them that I was playing around with never ended up doing. But I don't know if the song is called A Witch or They Say I'm a Witch or something, but it's her singing that. I'll play a little sample of it here. They say that I'm a witch. And that I weave a spell. <laughs> well, I lose my eyes to 
invite you, my lips to delight you. And all the charms of the feminine wise to excite you. They say that I'm a witch and that I weave a spell. Well, I'll be a son of a and no wonder. Well, let me tell you, brother, I'd rather be burned as a witch than never be burned at all. I use my songs to entice you with verses of you and all of my bags of tricks to shoes and rise you. They say that I'm a witch and that I weave a spell. Well, I'll be a son of a and no other. Well, let me tell you, brother, I'd rather be burned as a witch than never be burned at all. If you want a gal who would be a pal, who would never look at another, who would be good and true and take care of you. Sorry, you want another. Use my charms to undo you. My arms to unglue you. But that song really drew me in, and, and so that helped me want to learn more about her. Nice. Yeah, and then Eddie and Nick, for me, it's just learning more about them through all of their different ways that they communicate. And Nick, I follow on social media, and Eddie, I just think I see everything she does. What was that? My super ex-girlfriend. Mm. She plays a really fun character in that. and Yeah, I like that movie. Yeah. Good questions. Good questions. We collaborated on the questions, everybody. So I knew they were coming, but I tried to not really prepare for them. Mm -hmm. You know, I really tried to kind of throw them at you and see what you came up with. And so I really appreciate your approach to asking me all these. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Heidi, congratulations on four years of Vibrant Visionaries. I hope that you continue into the future in whatever format suits suits you, whatever soups you. <laughs> whatever soups me. <laughs> whatever soups you. <laughs> and and continues to inspire you and fuel your creative passion. And I appreciate the positive impact that you have on the world. So Thanks for inviting me as your guest host slash interviewer to mark this moment with you. Thank you so much, Jarf. And, and you are definitely a huge highlight in my um, journey of podcasting, getting to know you better and continue to collaborate with you. So I appreciate you. And I will definitely share a link here too to uh, our most recent collaboration up into this, which is being on your podcast. I would love to hear... Um, if you could just take a minute to let people know about what your project is right now that you've got going. Yeah, absolutely. So I am covering the movie Dazed and Confused, one song at a time. And I've just used it as an opportunity to get together with friends, reminisce, use the movie as a prism to look back at your own experiences growing up and kind of compare the music from the soundtrack to the music from your own personal soundtrack. And I've just really had a lot of fun conversations using the movie as a jumping off point for those. I was thrilled to have Heidi as my very first guest. So I just kicked off and it comes out weekly on Fridays. Dazed and Confused, 33 and a third. Sweet. I'll link it in the show notes. And thanks again, Jarf. And I'm going to say... Ciao for now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, friends. And friend, right? You. Yes. Thank you for <laughs> you. listening. <laughs>